And we will begin in five, four, three. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. I hope you are had a great week as you are listening to this, as you head into your Labor Day weekend. Uh, joining me today is my co-host, Micah Current. How are you doing today, Micah? I'm good, Scott, but how in the world is it Labor Day already? I don't know. I felt I like the summer absolutely flew. Like, uh, you know, I've mentioned that I've worked at Miami University and I still do, but um, classes started last Monday and uh, we were having a staff meeting and, and I said something. I mean, I feel like we were literally sitting at our commencement ceremony in May, like yesterday. It just, mm-hmm. it just felt like it just the whole summer flew. And I was like, yeah. it's like a blur. I'm like, what happened? And why did they go so fast? Yeah, so. I, I'm with you. I don't know how everything went so quickly as it did. Like, yeah, I mean, I, there's a part during July. I mean, I went on vacation. I had my summer class and my in-person summer class. And I'm thinking, wow, we're we're already in fall already. What happened? Like, we're summer. And, of course, I was moving, too. So there was a lot going on over the I summer. saw Christmas stuff somewhere over the weekend at some store. I couldn't tell you what store it was, but there was Christmas stuff out already. I saw, I went to the grocery store and I saw like they were selling jack-o'-lantern pumpkins, like big gigantic pumpkins. I'm like, you know, if you buy one of those, by the time you get to the point where you cut into it and carve it, it's going to rot. be rotted. So why are you, and you can't really use it to make like pies because it's not a, you know, pie pumpkins are smaller because it has more flavor to them. So getting a big jack-o'-lantern is not going to do anything unless you're someone who just likes pumpkin seeds and you're just cutting it up just so you could get its guts to make roasted pumpkin seeds which i do love pumpkin seeds i'll i saw over the weekend at uh at menards Mm -hmm. um a 12 foot like grim reaper and it was Hmm. like up on this this uh display and you press the button and it says uh and it tries to scare you and stuff but it was huge it was 300 dollars, but it was 12 foot tall it was crazy. Man. They got all kinds of oh. Halloween decorations at Menards, but I saw Christmas decorations somewhere or yeah, Christmas sale somewhere. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. And speaking of crazy, what's the weirdest thing that happened to you this past week, Micah? Well, before we started recording, you said that you have one, and then I was reminded about <laughs> crazy, or if it was just um, you know, just a, a strange happenstance. But yeah. um, yesterday, I was leading worship at, at my church and. Uh, I I usually lead from the guitar, but the pastor who was speaking asked me to lead the response song at the end from the piano, and I said that's fine. I can do that as well. And we started, uh, you know, we had a great worship service. It was you know really anointed, and I felt like the Holy Spirit really showed up. And then uh, the pastor spoke. She called me up to do the response song, and so uh, I don't know. Are you familiar with Perfect Pitch and Relative Perfect Pitch and things like that? Mm-hmm. So, like, I have a really, really good ear, right? I can play by ear. I can play, you know, I can read music. I'm professionally trained. I went to school for for music and have been playing music since I was four years old. And so um, the guy that plays piano, he has some experience, but not a lot. And so um, I'm learning that he has to have songs in different keys uh, from what I'm playing them in or like the music that he has needs to be printed out in different keys so he can transpose it and read it. Uh, in an easier key so that he can play along with with the rest of the worship team. And one of the ways that he does that is by hitting the transpose button on the keyboard. 
moving the, you know, the half step, whole step, like up, down, you know, down a half step and everything. So yeah. we did, we did our worship set at the beginning of the service and we got to, um, the song right before the prayer, right before the message. And mm-hmm. it was, it was like the key of E or something like that. And so he had to transpose it down to C so that he could play it in the key that we were playing it in and feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I get up to go do the response song at the end and I'm playing the intro chords of the song and I go to try to sing the first note. And I'm like, this is not right. <laughs> I I ended up, I'm like, I play the, I play the intro again and I, I, you know, I eventually find the note, but like, I'm like, this is not the right key and I'm playing the right key on the keyboard. But in the moment, I'm not thinking that, Hey, this guy, you know, didn't change the button back to where it was originally. So it wasn't in the key that I, but my ear was telling me, this is wrong. This is not the right key. This is not the right key. I'm, I'm supposed to be playing it in. So anyway, he comes up to me after service. He's like, you looked a little lost during that response time. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, that's the wrong key. And I was like, yeah, I know. It was the wrong key. And he, apparently he forgot to press the button. So like, I made it work in the moment. But like, I don't know if that's super confusing for you or your listeners. No, I, 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 I'm a big time <laughs> nerd. And I'm a big time music nerd on top of being a nerd. And it was like... <laughs> Like this is not right, and my wife's like, "There was something wrong, wasn't there?" And so, it's like, yeah, <laughs> there was something it was, wrong. It was something terribly wrong. So, like, if you play something, like, I mean, you know, if you, you put a, you know, a capo on a guitar, or you want to sing mm-hmm. a song with a key that's way too high for your vocal range, it's not going to work. And so, it was almost completely out of my range. And thank, thankfully, I made it work. But it was like, man, I'm playing this intro, and nothing's coming out because I'm like, I knew it was wrong. My, my subconscious was telling me uh, this is not the right key. And I didn't know how to transpose the key back to the thing on the keyboard itself. Cause I'd only played that mm-hmm. keyboard twice. So anyway, that was super weird. It was super random, but we made it work. God was glorified. And even though it was weird, uh, God be praised. So Scott, uh, yeah. what, happened, what happened to you? Weird. Before I jump into that, how how did you feel with your second day leading than your first day? Felt better? I mean, I felt a little bit more comfortable, a little bit okay. more, a little bit more, uh, I guess, at ease. All right. It, it was kind of a weird rehearsal. Um, uh, we can get into that in another topic, I guess. Yeah, like, no, just, that's fine. Well, I'm more of I'm used to more of a production driven service worship experience yeah. where i'm using click tracks and loops and stems and and they don't use that there and in-ear monitors and they don't use that stuff at this church and so mm-hmm. you know the drummer and i are kind of like i'm like this song's too fast you're playing it too fast i'm used to playing it slower he's like i'll follow you and we had to do the first song a couple of times and so but once we got through that it was fine and we we introduced a new song yesterday and everybody seemed to like it and but yeah the password was back and things seemed to do really well during the service so all right what about the weirdest thing that happened to you and i guess what how was your second sunday or is this your third so this is my technically it's my third second sunday. official third sunday. Offic- it's it's second sunday officially because my first sunday was just show up no i mean it was good i mean it was i mean there's a lot of people new people i keep seeing i think there's a lot of people who are slowly coming back to church um you know, kind of the whole summer thing, because there's some schools that are still kind of in the process of still starting up. So a lot of people, family vacations, still kind of getting their last minute outings out before, you know, everything kind of gets back to the 
normalcy of the school schedule and how that flows into church events and everything else. No, but the weirdest thing is we, I have a Ford edge and it's been making a lot of weird noises. So my wife keeps saying, Hey, get it in the shop. So we move here and, and it's like with anything else, when you move to a new location, you have to figure out, okay, find a new doctor, find new eye doctors, dentist. So it's like, okay, let's find a new mechanic. So I'm looking this around. Isn't your new car, is it? What? This isn't your new car, is it? No, 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 no. This is our older one. Our so your wife car. left you with the old car and you gave her the new one. Well, she wanted, well, here's the thing. She wanted to take the old car because you could store more stuff in there because it's, it's a hatchback. So you can add more, bring more stuff back. Cause she'll be up. She'll be back next weekend or Labor Day weekend. She'll be back. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I go, I call, I set up an appointment for Thursday at nine o'clock. All right. I go, I drive, I get to this one building. They're saying, you're at the wrong spot. You got to go over to the other side of the building. I'm like, okay. I go over to the other side of the building. I see where I'm supposed to go. And it's like this one little like tunnel that you have to drive through. Well, the guy who was in front of me, apparently he couldn't drop his car off. So in order for him to get out, I had to back up so he could back up and get out and go. So then I come in, the lady goes, yeah, what's your name? I go, Stedman, I have an appointment at nine o'clock. And she sees it's a Ford Edge. And she goes, oh, and what year is your Ford Edge? It's like I told them this already on the phone. <laughs> I go, it's a 2009 Ford Edge. Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. We don't work on anything older than 2015. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, what? That's weird. So they're telling me, so then there's like a big here in, kind of on the east side there's this big like auto mart called reichert's auto mart so they have a ford thing so i go and i drive it there and i pull in and the guy goes so do you have an appointment i go uh no i went took it somewhere else and they told me they couldn't work on it so he went and he talked to his manager supervisor came out talked to me i told him the story he goes oh you're and he said the name of the place you went there didn't you i'm like yeah it was closer to where he lived he goes yeah, that's the only place. That's the only Ford dealership I know that does that to people. Says, so, "Sorry, we're not going to work on anything older than a certain amount of years." So they're able to get it in, and and try to get it fixed. Which I got a call tell me what was wrong with it. So they're going to work on it, and hopefully, I'll get it back tonight. But then one guy was saying, "Oh yeah, that place is such a joke." Like blah blah blah. I'm like, "You should give our business to us." But then he tells the story, and I literally, this is the craziest story I ever heard. There was a customer that had their car at this dealership that I wasn't allowed to go to. And the problem was, is anytime when the guy would slam on his brakes, the, the shell of his car would slide. So it would just slide. It, so he takes it into this place, and they were looking at it for four months. Could not figure out what the issue was. So I guess the upper echelon of Ford said, okay, send it to this other place because you guys can't figure out what's wrong. Sends it to them, to Reichert's. They look at it. They found out, they figured it out in four hours what the problem was. They just didn't tighten the bolts down on the bottom that keeps the car, the top of the car to the bottom of the car. <laughs> four months, couldn't figure it out. The other place figures out in four hours. So I'm like, well, I'm glad I dodged a bullet and they didn't take my car in. It'd be there for like three years just to find out that there was a leak in the um, power steering fluid pump. So, what are you supposed to do? Like, 
you know, your car's a 2009 and you go to the shop, they're like, we don't work on anything older than this this year. And I'm like, well, you're supposed to drive it until it dies and not drive it anymore? Well, yeah, but then the, here's the thing. It wasn't like it was a big mechanic. I mean, it was just a, a hose. They yeah. just have to replace the hose. Like, but like, I, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, it, it, like, are you just supposed to, like, their mantra is, like, we won't work on anything older than this. Like, I'm sure you could find somebody to work on it or if you have a friend who's a mechanic or really does that kind of thing. Like, that's crazy that they wouldn't work on it. But here's the thing, like where this thing is at, it's kind of in like a very like low income area. Yeah. So they're probably not getting a lot of cars that are 2015 and newer there. Yeah. So it's almost like you're you're kind of already shooting yourself in the foot with business if you can't work on anything. Like like that's like that's I've never heard that before in my life. So that was that's my weird story. Like I didn't know people uh, did that. Um so Getting to our topic at hand, uh, Micah sent me an, an email. There's an article in the Christian Post, and it's um, it focuses on the band Cutlass. And if you are not familiar with the band Cutlass, they were kind of like a rock Christian rock band in the late 90s, early 2000s. Really did a lot of like, I would say kind of more like rock worship, I would say. Like they were, a lot of their music was very worshipful, not like kind of like with Christian rock where it's like, yeah, we'll sing uplifting songs. Maybe we'll mention Jesus, but we're kind of more heavy. They were all about kind of the praise and worship aspect, but kind of had more of a grittier um, instrumental style, like a more hard rock style. And it was just kind of talking about their career, um, kind of some of the challenges that they went through just by you know, playing and people not understanding their music to seeing other people in the music industry kind of renounce their faith from that. So it's a, it a very good article to read. So, Michael, what was um, what were your initial impressions about the article? Um, you know, that was ding dong. Even though I have my phone on Do Not Disturb, I still got that. That's kind of nuts. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, my initial read, you know, I, for one, I didn't listen to Cutlass very much growing up. I was familiar with them, but like, mm-hmm. I was more like, I kind of, I don't know, like a hiatus, I guess, of music, like Christian music, like listened to it a lot in the early to late 90s. And then early 2000s, I kind of took a break and then I didn't get really back into it until probably 2000. 11 2012 and i was really into more more so with the hill song the mm-hmm. song united young and free but like in the 90s and stuff i was a big fan of like dc talk and i was a big fan of uh, some other bands but like cutlass really broke through in the late 90s early 2000s uh, I, if i understand it correctly mm-hmm. from the article um but the one of the things that really struck a chord with me was the fact that they they would be going to different places to play live music and people would be outside picketing their music Mm -hmm. not because they were anti-christian but because they were christians and they were like they were like you shouldn't be playing this loud rock music and it's not christian and it's not jesus and it's like what yeah right and we've had this conversation in other episodes but like it's you know even then it was 2000 2001 it's like why are we having these conversations in 2000 2001 when some of these hymns are you know over 100 years old um, and we're still having that same worship war conversation versus traditional versus contemporary versus blended versus this is what we're going to do. This is what we're not going to do. Um, so anyway, the two things I really took was a, 
the fact that people were like picketing outside of their concerts and they were Christians. They were like having uh, a problem with the music or the style of the music they were playing. And then also uh, in the second half of the article, it talks about being more, the church needs to be a more, uh, was what do they say? Safe place, more mm-hmm. of grace, more a place of, of healing and more of a place of um, hope. And uh, I'm pulling it up as we talk. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're that exactly. Yeah, I, I, know, I know exactly what you're but talking about. The church needs to be... Um, where is it? This is a longer article I sent you to. Yeah, it says, um, they stress, uh, but the church, they stress, needs to do a better job at being a safe place to process doubt and come alongside those struggling. Historically, Mead said, the church has got it wrong, and they are, he emphasized, a lot of things that are pretty damaging about church culture. There are significant issues that do need to be addressed. Um, and that's kind of right I mean, after they talked about Marty <laughs> Sampson and Hawk Nelson, or Leesinger Hawk Nelson, pronouncing their faith. The word I was thinking of, the church needs to do a better job of being a safe place. Yeah. Um, and a place, you know, a place, a place, excuse me, a place to process, you know, you're in faith and we've we've used the scripture a lot on, on the podcast since i've been recording with you but you know it says to work out your own salvation in a fear and trembling and you know paul talks about that, that in his letters and um you know it, i would agree wholeheartedly with that in 2022 we need to be a better you know place of healing and restoration reconciliation and it it drives me nuts that we just go through the norm mm-hmm. you need to go through the norm um, yeah uh, I was, you know, a great example of that is yesterday I was leading worship at this church and we, we did the first song and the second song, you know, pastor came up and did the announcements or whatever and prayed. And then like, I want to do another song and I didn't even sing half. I wasn't even halfway through the verse of the song, the altar. We didn't say anything about the altars being open or anything, but people just started coming up and just started praying. And it was just like a, a, a move, right? The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit move. And it was a good thing. But like, I think, um, in my prayer yesterday, right before the message, I just kept saying, you know, God, we need, we just need to sit in your presence and we need to sit at your feet and we need to sit uh, before the throne of God and just, just soak that in. And uh, mm-hmm. I would agree with what they said. Um, yeah. First needs to do a better job of being a safe place. What do you think? Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. Some of the stuff you thought was interesting, I thought was interesting too, from Especially having people pick it there. I mean, we, we, you could tell things are going in a wrong direction when, when Marilyn Manson came out with um, Antichrist Superstar and Christians are picketing out fr- outside of arenas and stuff for their shows. And now they're picketing outside of Cutlass shows because they don't agree with the, the style of music. Like, and, and that's the thing. It wasn't necessarily that the music was Christian. It was just, it was edgier. It was harder. Um, and again, I I can remember being, you know, being on staff at Marengo. And I mean, I think we've played Strong Tower as a worship set. <laughs> well, so it's I, funny because Cutlass is like, if you look at Christian bands today, mm-hmm. like some of them play the harder rock music than even Cutlass does. Yeah. Right. Like Cutlass was like, I think it was um, revolutionary for its time and history. Mm-hmm. However, like they were like, what's the, is it five finger death punch? They're a lot yeah. harder than, and even skillet. I would say yeah. skillet's been harder than, than cutlass. But skillets went through so many musical 
genres and changes. Genres and changes over their history. But I think the thing that was fascinating because they talked about how they, you know, they got a signed deal with Tooth and Nail Records, which I'm a big, I'm a big Tooth and Nail kid. Like I've listened to their entire catalog, love many bands, still do. Like any new music that comes from them, I'm, I'm listening to it, and I can remember just from that how much things were changing because you had tooth and nail which is more of your hardcore punk rock music and then some indie stuff and then they split and created solid state which was more for their metal division and then they created bec recordings which was going to be kind of like more of their louder rougher music but then kind of more focused on ccm things so that's why you know, Supertones' first album, The Adventure of the OC Supertones, was on Tooth and Nail, and it went to uh, BEC. Um, and then, long story short, apparently the founder of Tooth and Nail went out to Cornerstone years ago and didn't have anywhere to stay. And he actually stayed with Jeremy Camp's family. So he knew Jeremy Camp. So Jeremy Camp's first record deal was actually with Brandon Ebel at Tooth and Nail Records on the BEC division. And then that, so then that kind of paved the way for Cutlass to come in too. Um, and then even some other people I know, people I know from Anderson actually got onto not only BEC, but now they have a new division called gospel songs. Um, that's part of that same umbrella, but it's just so fascinating, you know, in the height of people arguing about contemporary and traditional music. And now you have this kind of, harder <laughs> i would say more modern contemporary more modern music where it's a little bit edgier it sounds almost like something you've listened to a secular rock station but it's they sing about jesus and and people are having fits about it at that time and now i think you know if cutlass was to come on the thing today with bands like skillet i don't think there'd be a lot of people protesting music but i'm sure there's probably some people who probably don't like how skillet does go on tour with non-christian bands yeah and and stuff but then i there's one part and i mean there's one one of the questions i kind of wrote out was and i have to there was something in here where it was very brief and i need to see if i can find it but they're talking about um this idea that you know they had to you know they kind of went on a hiatus and it was just a time of yeah um a, a real difficult ordeal that encompassed personal loss and financial repercussions for the group. And it said, we really need to take a break and heal and cry and learn how to trust people again. And they didn't really get down to the nitty gritty of what they meant by that. Um, as far as, you know, was it stuff that they had to deal with within the church climate or was it something that had to deal with being in the, ccm climate because there's been a couple podcasts i've listened to where christian artists talk about kind of the ugly side of ccm music or worship music um and i think that's something that we have to that i, I guess that's something i would like to know more about like what what was kind of the thing that caused them to go on a hiatus that they had to really take that moment to heal from all that they've experienced in their almost 20, um, 20 year career. Yeah. Like, do you think it's more of a personal reason for the band and they needed a break or do you think it was because of the pressure of, 
of the you know deconstructing and being criticized for the music they were putting out or a combination of both or i, I have no idea it might it might be and i think i mean if you if we go five years and if this article came out and if you go back five years that's going to put us at about 2000 2017 2018 that 2017 2018 and i don't know like i feel like I feel like, you know, it's probably was church stuff. It probably was music stuff. And I'm sure just kind of the climate in our world too, political climate. I feel like I, I always hear the thing that, you know, Luther laid the uh, Luther hatched the egg that Erasmus uh, or hatched the egg that Erasmus laid. And I feel like almost like Trump hatched the egg that Obama laid or something like that. Just as far as just how politically turmoil that we've had within our and i want to know if that had to do play into a lot of stuff because a lot of bands who talk about that time period around that same time period they say you know that was like a turning point for their band or a turning point for people with their churches and and everything else so i don't know like i'm i'm it's it's just more speculation at this point yeah yeah i don't know i think that it could be a variety of things and uh, you know, so many bands, like, you know, I've been in bands, you know, in different genres of music and playing, and you know, we've had different iterations of the band and different people that have played and different people that needed a break. And, you know, my friend Todd is a, he's been on Nerd Talk with Jordan uh, a couple of times, but Todd's the original drummer for Reliant K. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, I think he wrote their first record with them, but he never went on tour with them because he, he got married and had kids. And so, but like Todd told me, he's like, he's still friends with those guys from Reliant K, but they're like on their fifth drummer. <laughs> so they've been yeah. around 20 years and they're on their fifth drummer. So like, but, you know, back to the conversation at hand, but like, I can't imagine the pressure of the criticism for trying to do something different, trying to reach other people for Jesus that may not know, uh, you know, no church and they're not the traditional um, church goer. They're not the they're tr- traditional Christ follower. Um, are you familiar with uh, what's the, the festival every year? Winter jam. Are you familiar Winter with jam. Yeah. So they have like 20, you know, bands that play. It's like a six hour festival and a cutlass has been on it. Skillet's been on it. Uh, the newsboys, you know, mm-hmm. various and um, you know, there, I, I've been to it several times and, you know, U.S. Bank Arena, which is now Heritage Bank Center in Cincinnati, holds probably, I, I would say, fifteen to 20,000 people. And they um, they pack that place out and they're like, hey, if you've never accepted Jesus, we would love to invite you to, you know, to accept Jesus and, mm-hmm. you know, come to Christ. And in that moment, as a result of the music that's being played, they may have never heard of Cutlass or they may have never heard of Skillet. They mm-hmm. may have you know, but that music and their style of music and the type of music that they play and the genre may resonate with them, right? Yeah, yeah, and and I think that's the thing about music that I think that a lot of people seem to miss is that, you know, as much as, you know, the older generations are so good at pushing, you know, traditional, we got to sing the hymns, we got to sing that, but if you have someone who's never set foot in a church, yeah. Who the only music that they have been exposed to has been hip hop, rock, more poppy, upbeat, modern poppy music. And you walk into someone and it's like, you know, key, like piano, organs, very slow tempo, 
you know, you have to turn the page, you know, turn to hymnal number 547. And that may not necessarily be the page number. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, well, it becomes like a, an invisible barrier. And I think eventually, you know, when they start coming. So, you know, when they start getting things, you know, doing a Amazing Grace or doing a, um, you know, Mighty Fortresses are God or something like that. Like, you can really bring people to those, you know, to that side and understand the scriptural or the theological truths and some of them. But you have to be able to build that bridge. So when you are fighting and saying, well, this isn't real music or this isn't good godly music. And that's the thing that I like about Cutlass is that they were convicted by that. Like they felt like as a band, as a vision, as a mission, it's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to use our style of music that we like. And we're going to write music that's going to help give honor and glory to praise to God and to help people to help seek him. And if people are and if other followers are like poo-pooing on it, then that's that's very shameful to me because it's like all you're doing is not only criticizing another band's work of trying to be gospel centric in their mission, but you're kind of creating you're kind of creating a stumbling block for the band, but then you're also creating stumbling block for people who do like it. And then you're being told by, you know, someone from church or the pastor that, Oh, well, that's not real Christian music or actually that's, that's evil music. Cause there's been times where I've had people at church tell me that the music I was listening to, like, how do you know it's Christian? You know, people could be posing as Christians and like, I can give you satanic messages. I'm like, here's what the lyrics say. Jesus Christ crucified. Like, Right. What <laughs> I mean is that satanic? Because if it's satanic, they probably wouldn't be using the name Jesus Christ or talking about his crucifixion in a song if it's a satanic ban. Well, and something I know, like on the flip side of that, um, we talk about worship, like the quote unquote worship wars. Um, something yeah. I, I watch a lot of live streams on Sundays to try to get ideas and try to get inspiration. And I really like Bethel worship. Um, and I've said that before on this show, but uh, something that I've noticed that Bethel has been doing in the last couple of months is they're they're doing throwbacks to like early 2000s worship songs and they're making them their own mm-hmm. and like man these are so cool and it's like man i love that song 20 years ago i'm like why are we doing a song that's 20 years old but they're making it their own and like if you notice culture you know within fashion and different things like that are kind of shifting back towards what the 90s were if you've noticed that i don't know if you've noticed mm-hmm. that very- but like kids are wearing fanny packs kids are wearing high-waisted jeans kids you know their hairs you know i work at a college so i see these things all day long every day and it's like huh it's like it's 1996 again and uh all we need is a starter jacket right the pool (laughs) Uh, but um kids will never know but uh all all that to say like they're you know they're doing throwbacks Mm -hmm. right and throwbacks and making them like they're the 90s again and like Bethel did Everlasting God yesterday. You know how old Everlasting mm-hmm. God is? It came out in 2006. Yeah. It was released in 2006. And so, like, you know, it's it's interesting that, like, culture is kind of shifting us backwards, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, revisit some of those old songs, old worship songs. But, like, in reference to, to Cutlass and, you know, Skillet, and, like, those, you know, I have my thoughts and views on, on worship music versus Christian music. Mm-hmm. But but again, if the message is intentional and the message, like you said, with Cutlass is gospel centered and that's their goal to reach somebody who's not the average churchgoer, 
for Jesus. And they, you know, they hear these words and, you know, they write these songs about somebody who wanted to, you know, I don't know, commit suicide or they have mental health issues. They have other issues, uh, uh, anxiety, and they, um, they hear a song that's uh, based on one of those topics. They can, they can resonate with that and they can find Jesus as a result. Sorry about that. My daughter was underneath my chair and I didn't want her fingers to get pinched. Are you okay, sweetie? I know we're going to go. Kids, I can't hear a word she's saying to me. Lizzie, it's okay. We're going to be leaving a little bit. Mark for edit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but to kind of kind of go back to, to your point, like you talk about throwbacks and that's what's Bethel doing. Like I can remember, I think it was, I think it might've been 2006, but Chris Tomlin had a song called, and I'm not going to say amazing grace. My chains are gone because how great is our God? No, but it was, um, it was, um, it was Jesus. He did it. He did Jesus paid it all. And it's the same thing, but then he just added a refrain to it. Like, Oh, praise the one who paid my debt. Like, he did that one. So, I mean, and I, and I don't know if the purpose of a throwback, at least at that time in early, in the early two thousands was to, Hey, let's equip churches to kind of hit on some of these older style music that they love and then kind of add spins. And I mean, I guess in some ways it works because I know there's some people who they love amazing grace, but they definitely are very big at singing amazing grace. My chains are gone. It's like, cool. But then, I mean, there's other people who, when I play Graves in the Gardens, they're like, oh, I really like that song. And they sing it. And it's like, they they get it. And it's like, okay. So it's, I think a lot of times when it comes to music, and I think so many times we put our personal preference over what the song is supposed to do, which is supposed to help lead people to Christ. And if it's not your cup of tea, that's fine but at the same and and even if you're like and i've heard people say well this music's a distraction to me be able to worship god it's like how can this be a distraction to worship for you worshiping god when it is when the whole point of the song is to talk about god and give praise i don't think it's necessarily the song that's causing disruption i think it's your heart that's causing disruption that you're not allowing itself to kind of put your own preference aside and just really say, well, can this song speak to me? Can the Holy spirit through the gifts of the musician, through the lyrics of the song really do inner healing in my life to be able to have that closer connection with God. Um, and, and I think when we think about it that way, hopefully people will be able to open up and yeah, if you still like your traditional stuff, that's great, but don't start arguing or knocking and having a poo-poo party on everyone else's parade who are connecting with that type of music to really help them energize them for the day or for the week. Cause again, some people may be listening to Cutlass. They may hear not hear that music in church, but listening to that at the gym, it's going to kind of not only get them revved up with their workout, but then it's going to help spiritually equip them for them to, go through the challenges that they're going to have today. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know how much more you want to talk about it, but I, I just wanted to visit really quickly. Yeah. Kind of the deconstruction conversation. Cause yes. I, I was involved in the episodes that you did. Um, that was kind of before I joined you on a regular basis, but um, talking about uh, how Cutlass was compared to senior pastors and kind of held to that same standard and expectation. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And then like, I think for me, uh, in the last couple of months, I've thought about this, but like, if you think pastors, senior pastors, worship pastors, youth pastors, any kind of pastors don't struggle with sin or have sin issues, mm-hmm. then you're, you're blind and jaded because it happens. Um, now are you having, you know, an affair on the altar of the church? No, like that, that's kind of, but like, you know what I mean? Like those things yeah, are, I know what you mean. it's like, it's it's kind of a it's a broad thing but like if you don't think that people don't struggle Mm -hmm. you're you're just jaded so what what are your thoughts on the deconstructive thing i i didn't really again i wasn't on your your series the deconstruction stuff but like yeah uh, how they talk about deconstructing things and you know separate themselves from from music and the church and you know all of it so well i mean i think a lot of times when it comes to deconstruction uh, what i've learned most from having conversations is it's it's twofold the first fold is that what they are because again a lot of these people and again this is people who are deconstructions which means they've had a faith in christianity in religion in jesus christ um before they went through this process and the two things is is that what they're reading in the scriptures does not line up to what they are experiencing within the local church or Christian or what, or the Christian community. And that's the first issue. And then the second issue is that when they address these concerns, it's kind of just, instead of saying, well, here's why we do it. And just kind of having that conversation and going, yeah, you know, yeah, the Bible says this, but we do it this way because this is what we think is works better modernly. And I don't, and I'm not, I don't have a really good example. Or even just having that honest conversation, going, you know, thank you for bringing this to my attention. Yeah, we really need to re-examine something and kind of. And I mean, I give an example because the church I was attending at, and when I was in Virginia after I resigned from where I was pastoring, the way they do communion was odd to me. Because the pastor would preach a sermon, and then he'd say something, and then he would leave, and then the worship team would get up there, and the worship leader would just play some instrumental music, and then all, and then all I kept hearing was this rattling noise, and it was people opening up their cups. There was no, this is my body taking remembrance of me, this is my blood taking remembrance of me, and there was no church unison in doing it. So I've had meetings with this pastor monthly. So I, I brought it up. I said, yeah, like, how why, why do you do communion the way you do it? Because, I mean, and I kind of mentioned, you know, my whole thing about, you know, being a community. And I think that's, and, you know, and his approach is like, you know, we've, we've struggled with that for years. Because at one point, we want it to be everyone doing it as a community. But at the same time, some people have a tradition with communion that, you know, they want it to be something personable or something that they can do within their own families with their children there, you know, they can take that moment and do communion as a family. So they want to leave it open and versatile. So 
So that's why there's no traditional, this is my body, this is my blood. I'm like, okay. He he explained it and it was it was like, it wasn't like, and I think that's okay. But where I've seen from a lot of people is they'll bring it up and then the pastor's just like, well, yeah. And, and, and then they get so offended by someone bringing something up that they double down and they basically turn to script and say, well, this is how we do it. If you don't like it, you can leave and, you know, you're not a, and you're, or they maybe makes an insult against the person. And that's kind of what causes the deconstruction. And I think a lot of times, you know, looking at reading the articles of Marty Sampson and even reading some stuff earlier about um, the lead singer of Hawk Nelson, like a lot of times they got so caught up in the performance aspect of church that they never really got to the nitty gritty of the spiritual aspect or the growth aspect of their spiritual faith. And very easily I could see, especially in bigger churches, how you could easily well get lost in the system of just doing everything performance-based and not really taking that time to have that spiritual formation. Yeah. It's interesting. It really is. Uh, yeah. But it was cool that he's willing to have that conversation with you. Most people would. Yeah. And, and I think that's the big thing that I've, and I think that's key. And I think that's what makes, and I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, some churches can grow the way they can is because they're, you know, either you have a high performance volume and you can do things very well um, and really have no engagement with the pastor at all. Or you can do things where you really have a full engagement with the pastor. And then if you have questions or concerns, you have a church staff that's humble to be able to have those conversations and to be able to do those things. And so I think that's kind of the big at least for me with deconstruction, I think that's kind of the big uh, crush. And I, I, and I liked how, um, I liked how Cutlass said, you know, it was almost like God was telling us to get out of the cave. And I think that made a reference to, um, that made a reference to um, Elijah who was doing what the Lord told him to do. He fought against the priest, of Baals with that big open challenge where, you know, he drenched his altar and then he prayed to the Lord and God sent fire for heaven. So this great display of God's power that got people to turn from kind of sitting on the sidelines to be great followers of the Lord. And then next, you know, Jezebel says, Hey, we're going to kill you. And then he runs away and runs into a cave and one, and he's like praying and now he's wishing that death would fall upon him. But then, you know, God was able to pull him out of the cave and he was able to find God in a still small voice. And I think, a lot of times with Cutlass's story is that, you know, when there are those moments, I think it was good for them to have that moment where, hey, we're doing, here's our mission. We're doing great things for the Lord. But it's challenging because we have Christians who are kind of being nasty to us. We have personal challenges. We have all these challenges. So we need to take a break. We need to kind of help it and set and heal up and lick our wounds and and really say, okay, God. Where are you? And when he says, come out in the cave, because I'm now going to pass through, then, you know, that was a moment for them to say, okay, now we're going to go back in the studio. We're going to record. And this time, we don't care what the, you know, we don't care what the church thinks. We don't care what the CCM thinks. If they're going to tell us one thing and we feel like that that's against our principles or our missions or especially against what we believe as Christians, then 
you know, forget them. Like we're going to do it our way and we're going to do it the way we feel God is leading us to do. Yeah. And I, I guess kind of as we, uh, you know, we wrap up um, this conversation and you need to go take your daughter to do whatever she wants to do. Cause you know, we've took enough of her time, I think. Yes, we um, did. As we kind of wrap up the conversation, you, you sent me a list of questions and I was looking at them. And the last question you have is what, what can the church learn from this article? And something mm-hmm. that I was thinking of, and not to make this um, a political conversation, but I was sitting at work a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and I was having a conversation with somebody and they, they tend, you know, to lean really, really far to the left. And I lean, you know, probably 75, 80% conservative libertarian, the other 20, 15, 20%. And, you know, she's like, this is really nice. And I'm like, well, you know what it is? It's democracy. It's having a conversation. It's being willing to have a conversation with somebody. And I, you know, I would venture to say that people don't have that conversation and aren't willing to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think the same to, to answer, to come full circle, to answer your last question. Um, it, the same goes for the church. Right. Like we need to be willing to have a multi-generational conversation about theology, about worship, about styles of worship, why we're here, why we gather, why we do communion, why we do, you know, it's no different than having, you know, you know, if I'm church of the cross down the street and have, these are my theological beliefs and why, like this, you know, that's why we have that conversation. That's why we have articles of faith. That's why we have those things uh, in place. Um, so that when people come to church, their first time guests, they know who we are as a church. And so I think it's important to have those conversations. And again, it just blows my mind that 2022, we're still having that conversation about worship and about preference and, and all those things. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I would agree with you too. I'd say, you know, just willing to have the conversation. And I think for church leaders, you know, be humble. And I know it's kind of hard because especially if you have that one parishioner that barges into your office and is giving you a piece of their mind about whatever was done in a service and and stuff it's you know when you're vulnerable and you have those moments you know that doesn't feel great you know it doesn't feel great getting those arrows shot at you um at the same time i would say if you're willing to have those conversations and that's the thing that i think the apostle paul always says you know if you're having that conversation with someone and they're just not listening, and you warn them again, you say, hey, I think this is a concern, and they're just not listening, then have nothing to do with them. You know what I mean? And I think it works both ways. If, you, if you're if you going up to your church leadership, you're saying, hey, I believe that what you're teaching on or what you're preaching on is not in line with the values, with scripture or the values of this church, and you bring that warning, and the and the people are just not listening to you, or they just don't care then I think it might be time to make that change. And I think as a church leader too, you know, especially, you know, your time and your, your inner peace. If you have people who are coming to your office and they just drain you and you're trying to explain to them, well, here's the mission, here's what we're doing. And, and there's nothing sinful or wrong, but they're just griping at you. Then, you know, after a couple times meeting with them and nothing's changing, then just don't entertain them anymore. I know that sounds harsh, but just don't entertain them because it's just going to continue to suck you dry. And then it's going to cause you to, you know, burn out or cause you to, you know, 
find unhealthy coping mechanisms and everything else. So there's lots of things that, um, you know, we need to really focus on as far as creating those specific boundaries, but also making sure that when there is that you are having those frank conversations and then and doing so in a very healthy um, spirit filled way. Yeah. Yeah. And that is going to be it for us today, friends. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully this has been helpful. Uh, hopefully you've learned something that valuable from listening to this podcast. Uh, it seems like we're growing because there is a lot of buzz from our last podcast. Like I kept seeing a lot of stuff. I haven't checked the numbers yet, Mike, because I can't tell you if it's as big as the church communication one, which hit about 4,000 downloads, but uh, we will definitely, um, but definitely us growing is very thanks to just you guys tuning in and listening to us. And, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Leave us a five-star review, um, share it with a friend. If you have, we would love to hear your thoughts on any topic we're talking about. Feel free to go to thescottstebbin.com and send me a message or email. And Micah and I will have read those letters and discuss some of that stuff. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you have a great Labor Day weekend and we'll be back on next week with another episode. Take care. Mm -hmm.